This is the Glasses by Day Geek by Night podcast episode 16. I'm Matt and today I'm going to be reviewing and moaning about some geeky stuff. So to get out of the way, if you give me a follow, a like, even recommend one of your friends, comments and messages are more than welcome. If you've got something that you want me to talk about, let me know. I'll take the good, the bad, the indifferent. So on today's episode, I'll be talking about my favourite five Wolverine fights over the last 50 years. I have bout seven of KO of the week, leading up to my final bout, which then leads into the grand final between the eight champions. I have my comic to read, Before You Die, which is Superman Wrath of Gog. He's the best there is at what he does, and what he does ain't very nice. James Howler, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. The Wolverine, has been a fan favourite for 50 years. He debuted in The Incredible Hulk number 180 back in 1974, and was created by Roy Thomas, Len Wine, and John Romita Sr. So, Roy Thomas is responsible for creating a plethora of Marvel characters. Created The Vision, Doc Samson, Carol Danvers, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Ultron, The Yellow Jacket, The, the Defenders... Man-Thing, Red Sonja, Morbius, um, Ghost Rider, Squadron Supreme, Invaders, Black Knight, Nighthawk, Havoc, Banshee, Sunfire, Thundra, Akron, Kill Crit, Kill Raven, um, Red Wolf, Red Guardian, um, Brother Voodoo, Valkyrie, Len Wine, um, he created things for DC, like Swamp Thing, he created for Marvel, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, John Romita Sr., he's a legend in my eyes, and he created uh, Mary Jane Watson, Punisher, Kingpin, Luke Cage. Um, obviously, he created that with uh, with Roy Thomas, but you get what I'm trying to say. Um, none in my eyes, none of those characters are more popular than the Wolverine. So, Wolverine joined the X-Men back in 1975, but only got attention he deserved when the legend Chris Claremont and John Byrne took over the X-Men titles and developed the character more. Um, I don't think that either of the three creators would have imagined how popular their character would have become. So, remember, he's a five foot three Canadian with a really bad temper. I kind of think that that doesn't exactly set him, you know, like in good stead in my eyes. But, to be fair, Hugh Jackman's 6'2", which is a big difference. Jackman is a big part of the character's ongoing success, but credit where credit's due. Wolverine has been a fan favourite before Jackman and will continue long after he's Jackman's hung up the claws. So I'm going to round up my top five fights that Wolverine has been in. Not that he's won, you know, but he's been in. Not that, you know, they might not even be the best fights, but I'm, I'm literally putting them in there because the one, the one, they're the ones that I remember the most, basically. So at number five, I have World War Hulk X-Men. Um, so it's Hulk versus the Wolverine. So let us not f- forget that Wolverine's tussle with the Incredible Hulk and his first encounter him to Marvel. We all know that Wolverine doesn't win the fight or any if you know any all fights with the Hulk, but he keeps getting back up. His adamantine skeleton healing fact they keep him alive, but realistically there isn't much he can do against someone like the Hulk. So I think this is one of the best fights between Wolverine and Hulk because he. Basically, the Hulk comes looking for Xavier because he sent him into space with the rest of the uh, Illuminati. And the X-Men intervene. Wolverine comes in cocky and takes a flurry of punches to the head. And 
basically he's a bit cocky. He comes in and says it's a, it's gonna come down to me and you anyway. So let's just get to it. And then uh, the Hulk just punches him in the head until he becomes punch drunk and just chucks him away. So even after a beating like that, he still gets back up. So although not the most stylistic battle that you've ever seen, it shows just how strong-willed and brave Wolverine can actually be. So remember, he's a five-foot-three stumpy Canadian with temper issues. The Hulk is huge and is one of the strongest beings in the 616 universe, even before he rockets into space by the Illuminati. At this point in time in the Marvel Universe, I actually think the Hulk is probably one of the strongest versions of himself he's battle ready and he's he's kind of shed Bruce Banner altogether the Hulk is the dominant being he's not turning back and no, he does turn back at the end of World War Hulk but that, that's a different story it's not the best Wolverine story as he gets his ass kicked but it's a great story and shows just what punishment he can give out and more importantly take at number four, I have Wolverine versus Spider-Man so this is from um, an annual that happened back in the 80s um, and although they are great friends now, they didn't start out that way. So both of the heroes are over in Berlin, accidentally searching for a spy um, called Charlie. So Peter is trying to clear his parents' name, while Logan is looking to help his friend Charlie. Um, the pair come to blows when Charlie asks Logan to kill her. Spidey sees this as Wolverine crossing the line, the pair come to blows. Uh, it's one of my favourite stories. I think it was probably one of the first comics that I actually read, honestly. Um, I've still got it, and... I've, I've read it again, it still holds up. Um, I feel like it was probably one of my first comic introductions to Wolverine, because obviously I think everyone who was into comics had a Spider-Man comic at some point in their life, whereas Wolverine, he was always part of the X-Men, you know, maybe a little bit more adult content than Spidey was bringing into it. So I kind of feel like at a young age, Wolverine was probably not one that you're picking up as quick, basically. So... Although I'd seen him in the X Men comics a little bit, and I'd definitely seen him in the you know in the T you know, the X Men the animated TV series, but I kind of feel like for for me that is a big intro for him. He's such a complex character, uh, because of his birth date within the Marvel continuity, you can literally write any story in for him. So even if you haven't really you know gone into it you can literally go into it at any point and say well back in 1914 he was doing you know what i mean i kind of feel like realistically any story goes with him so what i love about the story is that they're both fighting each other as heroes neither's a villain then the fight escalates with spidey beating wolverine so spidey in his worn out state after this mistakes his spider sense for um he's being attacked and he thinks it's wolverine coming back at him so in his anger, he lashes out, throwing a full power blow, hitting Charlie and killing her. So, as far as I can remember, that's probably one of the first times Spidey's actually killed. And it was an accident, don't get me wrong, but um, he doesn't really get it like that. Um, what I what I love about this story is, it, I, for me, it shows a different side of Wolverine, maybe a softer side. So he travelled across the world to help and save a friend. And I don't think we all, you know, up until that point, I don't think that we really get that side of him. So... That's what I love about that story. At number three, I have Wolverine versus the Punisher. So this, for me, is one of the most brutal battles that I've ever read. So um, basically, the Punisher, knowing that Wolverine will keep getting back up to hunt him down, he shoots him in the face, leaving his um, adamantium skull um, exposed. He, he shoots him in his um, in his balls. He takes out his junk. Um and then Frank takes it one step further, needing the means to give himself a day or two to 
you know, stay away from Logan, get himself to a safe distance, because he knows he's going to come back after him. He finds what I'd probably say was the perfect solution, because obviously Wolverine isn't super strong, you know, his claws are his main weapon, and he kind of made it so that Wolverine couldn't use the claws to get out of this. So Punisher uses it, basically shoots him in the face, shoots him in the junk. As he's crawling away, Wolverine's basically telling him, you don't do this, don't do this, you know, you've, you know, you're making a mistake, you know that I'll get back up. And then he uses a steamroller to slowly flatten him. So, you know, he, you know, it's one of those perfect things. He just leaves the steamroller with the hands out so the claws are no good to him so basically he needs someone to get that steamroller off him so basically we even after he gets shot in the face even after he gets his junk shot off even after he gets run over with a steamroller he still gets back up punisher is a dick but would he have done this to someone without a healing factor probably absolutely yeah but he might have done worse. I kind of feel like it, it was more, I know you're going to get back up from this, so I'm just going to give myself a bit of breathing room. So I feel like this is one of the more brutal attacks against Wolverine, and I kind of feel like most people are expecting me to bring Sabretooth into this, but I feel like those fights happen a lot and are a bit of a dime a dozen. So in at number two, I have Wolverine versus the Hood. So this takes place in New Avengers, Volume 1, um, number 34. It's a great run in the book, and it takes place after Civil War. The new Avengers are on the wrong side of the law. The mighty Avengers are part of the initiative. Um, so the new Avengers are vigilantes. Wolverine is part of the Avengers at this point. Um, he's tracked the Hood into a bar and a battle ensues. And Wolverine has the upper hand until the Hood shoots him and it shoots his junk. At least he knows at this point that it's probably going to grow back. So I kind of feel like that's where he, you know, where his mind goes to at this point. So um, he shoots off his junk yet again, and then, then the Hood turns into a demon, and he beats him, so the fight itself isn't anything that we haven't seen before from Wolverine, it's it, it's the aftermath while he's healing that I think is brilliant, and it's great writing by Bendis, so um, he's sitting there in the bar, surrounded by destruction, with a bottle of whiskey, wondering, wondering to himself whether his junk is going to grow back bigger, I kind of feel like, at that point, you know, if we know it's all going to grow back, every man's going to think, oh, I wonder if it's going to be bigger when it grows back. It's just brilliant moment that I think is probably underrated, bringing more of a comedic side to Wolverine's character. And at my number one spot, I'm one of them, my personal favourite Logan fights. In, in fact, it's probably one of my favourite arcs of a Wolverine story altogether. It's Civil War, Civil War Wolverine. So between himself and Nitro, um, and, and an Atlantean. So it's technically a three-way fight for my, for my liking. So I know this is technically two fights but they take place pretty simultaneously so logan takes it upon himself to hunt down and kill nitro after he blows up stanford connecticut and takes out a bunch of people including a lot of kids so he hunts the coward down only to come face to face with atlanteans that are also hunting him so an atlantean princess has been killed um, with the new warriors at this point so that's why they're there. Logan wants to bring him to human justice while the Atlanteans want to take him down to the depths of the ocean and want him to face Atlantean justice. Logan gets his ass blown up and reduced to bones, then ends up fighting a few Atlanteans while naked. It's a great book, but it's made even better with great visuals. I'm not talking about Logan being naked. It's very, very, you know, PC in the way that they do it, but I just think the artwork in it is great, but I, I think that you know, the fact that he's decided to 
I feel like it brings out the, the moral side of Wolverine, and I really like that. So, Wolverine's been around for 50 years, and these five fights don't even account for a fraction of the stories he's been involved in over the years. He's a great character, and realistically, he's going to be around for more than another 50 years. So, at some point, we're going to get some even more amazing fights, and I'll probably talk about them then. This is KO of the Week, Bout 7. So for anyone who doesn't know, I have a bunch of super-powered beings, villains, heroes alike, and I've got them all wrote out and put into a bag. I'm going to pull two names out of the bag, and we have a Group A, B, C, and D. So from Group A, I'm going to pull out four fighters. It's going to be 1v1, winner, then advances, fights the next one, and then they go into the final between Group A and B. Um, I'm going to do the same with C, all the rest. So C and D will eventually fight each other. A and B will fight each other. And then the winner of them will go into the grand final. And then will be put into the mega grand final. Because I've probably gone a bit far with grand final originally. Um, so And then they will fight at the you know after bout 8. So I'm going to get straight into it. So this is group A round 1. And I'm going to dig deep. I have one fighter here. And I have another one as well. So the first fighter is Emma Frost. She's fought before. She's going to fight again. Versus. Can't unfold the paper. Elliot Boggs, the magician from the Ultimate Universe. So Emma Frost, powerful telepath, can make herself into diamond form. You know, incredibly powerful. Elliot Boggs, the magician, anyone who doesn't know, Elliot Boggs is a reality warper. He is kind of unaware that he's doing it. He can turn things into other things. He's He is pretty powerful. Um, what can we say? Realistically, do I think that a telepath is getting inside his head and taking out Elliot Boggs? Hmm... I th- I think if if Emma Frost knew what she was coming up against, she would take him out. I think, I think, realistically, he's going to find it hard to destroy her in any particular way because of her diamond form. But then would that stop her from using her telepathy? Because she can only use the telepathy when she's out of diamond form. So, do I think that a telepath would be Elliot Boggs? I think that the problem that Elliot Box has got is that he, he's not actually sure that he's doing it. He, he he can't actually control it. It's an unconscious power. So, that said, he is capable of telepathically communicating with Professor X. So, I kind of feel like he, he's beaten Professor X in the past. So, realistically I think 
that. This this is Ultimate Professor X as well. This is main continuity Emma Frost. So he's taken out Ultimate Professor X. I actually think Ultimate Professor X isn't half as powerful as 616 Professor X. He's a little bit too much of a, a ladies' man, Professor X. He's, he, he does have a, te- a, a telekinetic ability in the Ultimate Universe as well that he's trying to use to power, you know, he's trying to strengthen to make himself walk again. So do I think that Elliot Box could take out the Magician? That could take out Emma Frost. You know what? I'm going to give this one to Emma Frost just for the fact that I think she's stronger than Ultimate, um, Ultimate X-Men's Professor X. I think that she'd see through it and she'd get inside his head and shut him down. So I'm Elliot Boggs. You go back into the run for it next time and it is a KO. So Emma, you advance to the next round of Group A. Elliot Boggs, you go back into next time's pile. Back into obscurity for you now. Right. About two or round two of Group A. I have two fighters in hand. The first fighter is Naruto from the Madara arc. So this is before he's got any. He's he's basically he's got his um, he's got his shock reform and he has the um, the sage mode versus Invincible. So right, Naruto versus Invincible. So Naruto, how would he take out Invincible? So Naruto, he can he has his Sage Mode, which makes him one with nature. He actually, he can make clones of himself. He has the Rasengan. He has various other abilities. The Shadow Clone thing. He would he he can he has a lot of chakra reserves. Do I think that would overpower Invincible? An army of Naruto's fighting against him. So, Invincible, he's super strong, near invulnerable to anything human-like anyway. Um, He can can be hurt. He's been hurt by his dad. He's been hurt by other Viltrumites. Would Naruto be able to take him out? Do I think a Rasengan would injure him? You know what? I, I also think that Naruto has, you know, he has his Kurama form at this point. As well, so do I think that? Oh, you know what? I I I don't like to you know bet against me, man, Mark. But I'm going to give this to Naruto. I think Naruto would take him out. I I I think that enough clones plus a Rasengan. I think that he could get through him. Yeah, especially a Rasen Shuriken. Um, yeah. I think he's taken. I think he's taken out Mark at this point. Unfortunately, Invincible, you have been KO. And Naruto, you advance to the final of Group A versus Emma Frost. Okay. So Emma Frost, telepath, you know, can make herself diamond. So she has a resistance to injury. Naruto, probably. On 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 his way to being the most powerful, one of the most powerful ninja in his universe, he has Kurama behind him, so he's a Jinkuriki. He 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 does have a resistance to Genjutsu, which is basically a telepathic power in the Naruto universe. And what I think is Emma Frost might get into his head, 
and would she be able to could she could get into his head but could she she wouldn't get into Kuruma's Kuruma is, is too strong for her so I think that that no I, I can't see Emma being able to get inside Naruto's head because by that point he's able to use his his sage mode and his Kurama power together, isn't he? Uh, no, I I don't think Emma would win this. I think Naruto would win this. So Emma, I am literally sending you back into obscurity. You have been KO. And Naruto, you advance to the fight between Group A and B. Emma, you go back into obscurity and out of my way okay so straight on to group b now so group b round one i'm going to dig deep for this one i'm dropping them everywhere yeah i will grab this one and it is going to be plastic man versus the utopian okay so plastic man versus the utopian so plastic man he's what Superhuman elasticity, he's malleable, he's, he has agility, he can regenerate, he's in, in, has invulnerability to a certain extent, telepathic immunability, immortality apparently, shape-shifting, he's, uh, I, that's pretty decent amount of powers there. So, realistically, Utopian, he's Superman-level strength, has heat vision, doesn't have freezing breath, but... Could he be? Could Plastic Man? I, I think realistically, it would almost be a stalemate with power wise because Utopian he might be super strong, and you know, you know, could actually put up a you know, he'd physically beat him in a you know, in an arm wrestle more than likely, but he couldn't actually do any damage to him until he uses his heat vision. And then this is where it becomes one of those fights that just wouldn't work out for Plastic Man. Plastic Man, I'm not even going to give you too long to even stew on this. Plastic Man will get taken out by the Ethiopian just for the fact of his heat vision. So Plastic Man, you have been... KO! And you go back into obscurity for next time. Utopian advances in round one of group B. So round two of group B. We have. I'm going to try and not drop any this time. I have two here. I'm going to go with it. So first one I have is. Michelangelo from the Turtles. Versus. Cyclops. Okay, so Michelangelo from the Turtles versus Cyclops. You know what? Michelangelo from the Turtles, he's a mutant. He's a ninja. He's a master of the nunchucks. He's got a smart mouth. Uh, Cyclops, he has optic blasts, concussive blasts. Can blast through quite a lot of things. He's, you know, a tactician. He's a great leader on the battlefield. Yeah, he can also fight. He's got good hand-to-hand um, fighting skills. Do I think that Michelangelo is is beating him on fighting skills, definitely, plus agility, probably faster as well, and stronger. Cyclops, the only way he's winning is if he gets off a decent optic blast. I think Michael, the only way he's going to do that, he's going to have to take out a lot of 
real estate while he does it. He's going to have to make the blast as wide as possible because Michelangelo is going to be faster than him. No, I don't think Cyclops would win this. I think Michelangelo would get taken out, uh, would take out Cyclops in a pretty quick KO, I reckon. So, unfortunately, um, Cyclops, you have been KO. And Michelangelo, you advance to the final of Group B against the Utopian. Unfortunately, this seems like a bit of a mixed match, okay? Yeah. So, look, Utopian, he has Superman level strength. He's strong, he's invulnerable, he's. Yeah, he has heat vision. He can hear a pin drop. He can hear Michelangelo cacking his pants. Um, literally, as he's doing it. Michelangelo, master... Yeah, he, he is a ninja. And it would have been pretty cool to have Naruto versus Michelangelo. But I'm not even going to go there with this. My version... The, my, Michelangelo just cannot beat the Utopian. It just can't happen. So, unfortunately, Michelangelo, you have been... KO. And Utopian, you go into the final of Group A and B versus Naruto. So I'm going to go straight on to Group C now. So Group C, round one. I'm going to make sure I don't drop any this time. I have two in the hand. And I'm going to... First one is... Talia Al Ghul versus... Dum, dum, dum. Jay Garrick, The Flash. Okay, right. So, Talia Al Ghul, um, she's uh, a master martial artist. She's an assassin. She's been taught everything by her dad. She has, you know, even if Jay Garrick kills her here, she will come back to life at some point. We're in a Lazarus pit, I'm sure, but that's not what we're getting into today. Jay Garrick, super fast. In his prime was the fastest man alive. The Jay Garrick that we're talking about is the Jay Garrick from the what the um, the modern era. So he is quite old. He's still really fast. Still, you know, you know, still a pretty cool dude. So the idea is, other than the stupid helmet that he wears, I always think this every time that I see him. Why are you wearing the helmet? The helmet makes no sense. Um, it's it's bound to fall off. It just doesn't make any sense. Do I think Tyler Al Ghul can beat Jay Garrick in a fight? She'd have to be pretty on it to beat him in a fight. I, I just can't see his speed being taken out just by, you know, just by a, a woman with a sword, you know, who happens to kill people. I just can't see it being the case. So, fortunately, Talia, you have been... KO! And Jay Garrick, you advance to the next round. Talia Al Ghul, you go back into obscurity and may or may not be picked the next time so my next two fighters i have got them here so my first fighter is going to be wegaruruman from digimon okay versus martian manhunter okay right so john jones wegaruruman versus john jones so wegaruruman he's an ultimate form he you know is a humanoid wolf that you like wears jeans and has some decent attacks. He has wolf claw. You know, he's an ice type as well. So he, you know, unfortunately, is a bit of a mix match. If he was a fire type, Martian Manhunter, who's basically on Superman's level in you know a lot of ways. I kind of feel like Martian Manhunter. He's super strong, near and vulnerable. 
he only has one weakness and that's heat vision or yeah like the you know it's fire all right so realistically I don't think that Garurumon is going to win this. I think Martian Manhunter will take him down just by getting inside his head. So, you know, he is a telepath. He's one of the strongest telepaths in the DC Universe. He's going to take him down no end. I think Martian Manhunter wins. Where Garurumon, unfortunately, it is a... KO! And you go back into obscurity and... We go on to the next round. So, we are on... Jay Garrick versus the Martian Manhunter. So Jay Garrick, super speed, super you know, super fast, able to do things you know at a different pace than most people. Martian Manhunter, super strong, he's super fast. You know, he, is he as fast as Jay Garrick? The thing you've got to remember is Martian Manhunter would get inside his head. Would he be able to do this quick enough? I think Jay Garrick is thinking too quick for him. I also think that Martian Manhunter's biggest weakness is fire. Jay Garrick can create electricity. He can create a lightning bolt if he so wishes. He is a speed force conduit. Jay Garrick also has been known in his time to steal speed. I think that this would be his trump card here. He'd steal the Martian Manhunter's speed and then lightning bolt his ass. So I think that the Martian would go down here and I think that Jay Garrick would advance to the next round. So Jay Garrick, you, you know, Martian Manhunter even, you have been. KO! Jay Garrick advances to the final. So he is Group C's champion. Martian Manhunter, you go back into obscurity for next time. So our next fight is going to be... I've got one here. The first one is going to be... There you go. That's the one. Catwoman versus... So, this is Group D, round one. So, it's Catwoman versus... I can't open the paper. Uh, Captain America from the Ultimate Universe. So, Catwoman, she is a master thief. She is agile. She is a master of the whip. She uh, has seduced many a man. Captain America from the Ultimate Universe, He's he's not a, his moral compass is still there, but... The 6161, I always think, is a lot more moral than him. He's also a lot stronger than the 616 cap. He's more in line with how you'd see the MCU cap. I always think that MCU cap is much stronger than Captain America from the comics. I think Captain America from the comics, from the from the main universe anyway, he is a master athlete, um, skilled fighter and all this. But he's like the peak of human you know, human power. Do you know what I mean? Not, he's, the ultimate, basically, ultimate universe, um, Captain America, is much stronger than, the physically stronger than 616. So, do I think that Catwoman could beat ultimate Captain America in a fight? The, the answer just comes down to a simple, absolutely not. She just could not do it. Um, he can match her in pretty much anything she does except for ephemeral charms. And I don't think that would work on him. So I think Captain America advances. Catwoman, you have been... KO! And you go back into obscurity for next time. So our next fight is for round two of Group D. I have one in my hand. 
So it is going to be Rock Lee from Naruto versus Dum 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 Damian Wayne Robin. Okay, <laughs> Rock Lee. He's a uh, he's master taiju too. He's a outstanding fighter. He can open so many of the gates. This is Rock Lee towards the end of um. Uh, the end of the Naruto Shippuden series. So he's at the top of his game. He can open what the uh, five of the six gates was it? Yeah, five or oh, five? Was it six gates or is it seven gates? Yeah, I'm sure. By it's eight gates, and it's not seven or six or whatever. It's eight gates. By by the end of Shippuden, he can open six of them. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure it's six anyway. So I reckon six gates versus Damian Wayne, who is a master. You know, he is a master assassin. He is the son of Batman and Talia al Ghul. He, he is strong for a human. He a master of the yeah katana. He you know. Do I think that he could beat? Rockley, not a chance. I think Rockley is superior fighter, stronger, faster. You know, I think he would take him out. So Rockley advances. Damien Wayne, you have been. KO. And we have our final for Group D, which is going to be Ultimate Captain America versus Rockley. So Ultimate Captain America, he's strong, he's fast, he's you know can throw a shield with. Okay, complete accuracy and, you know the laws of physics do not apply to that shield as well so rock lee he's strong he's fast he can open the six gates i think that the fight wise rock lee would have the upper hand speed wise i think especially if he was to open the eight gates i think you know if he was open three of the gates, I think he'd be able to take out Ultimate, Ultimate Captain America. So I think Rock Lee, this would be a pretty easy fight for him. And I think Rock Lee would take out Ultimate Captain America. So, Cap, you have been... KO! And you go back into obscurity for next time. So we have our finals for uh, the fight between Group A and B and the fight between Group C and D. So we'll go on to the fight between Group A and Group B. So we have... Naruto from the Madara arc versus Utopian. So Naruto is epically strong now. He has the power of Kurama. He has Sage Mode. He can link them up. He has, you know, he has unlimited clones, thousands of clones. Utopian, he is strong, super strong, fast, invulnerable. Well, near invulnerable anyway. He can fire out heat vision. Would Heat Vision be able to take out a Rasen Shuriken? I think that... It's hard to say in this one. I think this is quite a tough bout because realistically, Utopian is the strongest being there is in his universe. And at this point, Naruto is one of the strongest in his. I have to think of this as Naruto versus Superman level. And one way or the other, Utopian has speed strength durability mobility power of flight heat vision i even with his you know everything that he was throwing at him i just can't see naruto b 
being able to take out the Utopian. So I am going to say that the Utopian advances and Naruto, you have been... KO! And Naruto, you go back into the pile for next time. So we have our next final between Group C and D, which is Jay Garrick versus Rock Lee. So Jay Garrick, super, you know, super fast, able to ride the lightning, has ability to take away people's speed. Rock Lee is able to open, you know, he's a ninja, he's tied used to master, so he's hand-to-hand master. He wears weighted uh, weight, weights around his body that he can take off that are epically, you know, are really heavy. He is fast and strong. He can open six of the eight gates at this point. And would he be able to beat Jay Garrick? Speed-wise, I think that they'd be pretty evenly matched at this point. I think Rock Lee, when he opens the sixth gate, is moving epically quick. I think Jay Garrick would have the upper hand here because, like in the previous round, he would take away the speed of of Rock Lee. And I think Jay Garrick would advance, and Rock Lee, you have been... KO! Just like that, I'm making it that simple. Jay Garrick would beat him. It just... he couldn't match up to a, you know, the superhero speed director. So we have our final. So it's going to be the final of about seven is going to be Utopian versus Jay Garrick. So Utopian, super strong, durable. You know, he's able to fly, can fire heat vision. Jay Garrick is super, you know, super fast, able to ride the lightning. What I've got to put into consideration is, is Utopian stronger than Superboy Prime? I don't think so. I think Utopian is strong, but he's not Superboy Prime level. Jay Garrick was one of the people who took Superboy Prime into the Speed Force. I think Jay Garrick would possibly... It's going to be an un... I'm not sure if anyone's going to really agree with the decision. I think Jay Garrick would try taking away speed, which would work. I think Utopian would try and hit him with his strength and his, you know, you know, his heat vision and it wouldn't work. And then I think Jay would know that he couldn't physically beat him. So he would take him inside the speed force and he would leave him there. But... That said, Superboy Prime spent, what, four years in the Speed Force? He aged four years, escaped, and now he's really not afraid of speeders. Oh, I don't think that you that Jay could actually beat the Utopian. I think Utopian would just about get it. I really wanted to give it to Jay Garrick. I don't know if you noticed that I was really trying to I was really trying to figure out a way that he could beat the Utopian. I just can't see it being the case. I don't think Jay would be able to beat Superman, and I think Utopian is literally the Superman of his universe. So I'm going to give this Utopian. So the Utopian is the winner of about seven. Jay Garrick, you have been KO, and Jay uh, Utopian, you go on to the final of um, RKO of the week.
This week's comic of the week is Superman the Wrath of Gog. So I read this years ago now and I tend to go back to it every now and then so it must be a pretty decent comic. What I love about it is though that it, it to me it doesn't show a perfect side to Superman. Not everything is going his way. He's he's reeling from our worlds at war where he was, you know, he made some wrong decisions. He wasn't the greatest. To me, I I actually kind of feel like that. From for me personally, this version of Superman, this era, where it's you know it's before any crisis has um, has you know rebooted the uh, the actual universe. I kind of feel like this this version of Superman leading into the you know the Infinite Crisis version of Superman, and then the after. The after version where him, Batman, and Wonder Woman make the Justice League is probably my favourite incarnation of the character. Um, what I love about it is though that for me it was just bringing so much continuity into it. Um, he's having he's having a crap time. You've got Superboy, you've got Kid Flash, you've got Wonder Girl. Back when the Titans were good as well. Um, what I'd say is it, it's just a great book. It's um, it, it starts off with. You know, images of Lana Lang, basically, you know, she's sitting with Mark Kent, basically pining over what she could have had with Clark back in the day. And uh, Mark Kent basically saying that she liked Lois better to a certain extent. But, you know, what can you say? Then it goes on to the R Worlds at War, where he makes a promise, Superman makes a promise to a child that he's going to find his family, and he doesn't. And it, it it ends with this kid finding his parents dead and then Gog come into this child's room and almost feeding off his despair. So it, it's just a great book. At this point, Superman, he's just dealt with the future Smiths who have, um, they've got their own plans. They've engineered a daughter for him called Sorel, making, you know, pretending that she's from the future. There's a, a yeah, you know, and she wasn't, and she she died. Um, and you've got a robotic Superman for the far from future, who's warning of an impending technological doom, thanks to the Future Smiths. Clark, he's been he's been you know fake fired by Perry White, and he's you know he's looking for proof that President Luthor was engaging in criminal activity. Um, that leads into the Batman Batman and Superman storylines that went on for ages, and. It, it's just a great book. It, it's like bringing so much continuity. So where we're at now is that Clark is trying to... He's, he's being rehired. He's trying to get his job back. He's trying to get back on track. And what he doesn't realise is he's he's been demoted. And no one's told him. Not even his wife who, you know, who works in the same place. I kind of feel like she thinks that because he's Superman that, you know, this isn't even his real job and all this. But... Realistically, he still wants to be in the loop. He still wants to be, you know, made to feel right about it and all this. So, the synopsis on the back of the book probably says it best. So it goes like this: So there are robbers to catch, children to save, and hordes of apocalypse to stop. And Darkseid's minion provides provide only a hint of the threat that challenged the Man of Steel. With the return of Prius, um, whose powers rival Superman's, and the threats such as Weapons Master and Sodom and Gomorrah, the relentless action is non-stop for our hero. But will he have enough strength in the end to face the villainous Gog, who is back to keep his promise of killing Superman once and for all? So, let's be honest, put it this way, 
I kind of feel like Superman, he, he almost dies on a weekly basis. For someone who's invulnerable, he does, he does almost, you know, almost get his ass kicked on a daily basis. So Gog actually comes pretty close to it. He almost takes out Superboy, he almost takes out um, Superman. It's, it's just a good book, but what I love about the book isn't specifically the action, it's, it's about how actually human Superman is in it. He isn't he isn't just a godlike creature in it. He you know he's he's dealing with real life stuff. He's dealing with the fact that his wife lied to him, his job isn't going as well as he wanted it to, that people around him aren't it's it's about him finding his place because apparently the reason he wasn't yeah, he was he was demoted was that it doesn't appeal to the younger demographic that he's getting old, that the way he does things, you know, in his personal life as well as in, you know, his professional life as Superman aren't working. So I think that bringing that all time that all together is pretty decent. So he takes a pretty bad beating in this and only just survives. And is actually out of commission for a while. And it's about, you know, his wife hasn't even come home to see him kind of thing. It's He ends up being nursed back to health by his friends and Lana Lang and it's it, to me it's all just a little bit awkward she's like she's like trying to get get back in his bed kind of thing while his wife's not there while he's so vulnerable that he can't actually do anything about it um and Clark stays loyal we all know he does yeah that that's that's his thing he doesn't uh, he doesn't stray from his path um yeah yeah what well, I you know I said it, I was more of a fan of the the um the human side to Superman story, but realistically, the the artwork, the visuals, the fight scenes, they are brilliant in it. So I'm going to go on to that now. So it was written by Chuck Austin. Chuck Austin has been around since 1985. He's wrote for what DC Comics, Marvel Comics. He's wrote, yeah, he, he's wrote for TV. He's done what, you know, lot, lots of lots of different things. Um, you know. His favourite work for me is Action Comics, where he wrote for Superman and The Wrath of Gog. Um, he, you know, he is all over the place. He's done X Men. He's done other other publishers. So he's done um, Dark Horse. Yeah, various other ones. He, brilliant writer. Definitely should be if you're looking for a writer that can impress you. You should get onto that definitely. That said, what really made the whole thing pop for me, the whole book, is the artwork by Ivan Reyes. So Reyes is a Brazilian comic artist. He's um, best known for his work on Dark Horse comic, Marvel comics. He's done some DC action comics, Green Lantern, Aquaman. Um, he's collaborated with Jeff, Jeff Johns. Uh, you know, he's just he's just a brilliant artist. Um, what would I say that his artwork is completely you know, you could tell him off the bat and probably not. It's not it's not like um Gabriel Barr from um from last week's um Umbrella Academy. But it's really good art. It it gets to the point, you know Yeah, it's really good. I'm just flicking through it now and some of the fight scenes in it are just are brilliantly drawn. Um Superman almost dying is brilliant. Um, him showing how powerful he actually is, really, you know, it's it just really good artwork, and it definitely should be one of the comics that you should read before you die.
So, like I said earlier, if you give me a follow or a like, even recommend a friend, comments and messages are more than welcome. If you've got something you want me to talk about, if you've got something that you don't want me to talk about, let me know. So, I've Matt, and this has been the Glasses by Day Geek by Night podcast. Thanks for listening.